Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City. Uh, It's been a while, and we've made some changes to the format of this podcast. So let me just start by telling you what's the same and what's going to be different. What's the same is that From the Field is a podcast for pastors, where we talk about anything and everything to do with leading in the local church. What's different is rather than interview other pastors about their lives and ministries, I'm going to be co-hosting this with my executive pastor and friend of 25 years, Tyler Dravitz, and we're going to be talking about our lives and ministries. So Tyler, thanks for doing this. My pleasure. Good. I thought we'd just start as awkward as possible. It is pretty awkward. Yeah. I think what's most awkward is that I've been trying to get you to do a podcast with me for 25 years, yeah. and it took this long. That's true, but but here we are. So, uh, All right, so let's talk a little bit about uh, why we've decided to uh, go this direction uh, okay. with this podcast now. And I know you remember, uh, let's see, it probably would have been almost... Uh, seven, eight years ago now mm-hmm. that we went on a planning retreat together and we wrote a document that's been really, really foundational for us called what we call the vital few, which is the seven or eight things that we think are critical for a church to be healthy. Absolutely. And one of those things uh, is uh, what we call helping churches thrive. We believe in that super deeply and it informs a lot of what we do. And so for each one of these vital few, we have a a short paragraph uh, that explains it. And so under Helping Churches Thrive, uh, we wrote this. Ridgeline is only one church in the larger scope of the church. Fulfilling Jesus' great commission requires the development of a countless number of churches. Ridgeline has a role to play in this larger mission. We seek to create simple and reproducible systems, coach to our strengths, plant churches, and share what we learn in order to influence other churches toward greater levels of faithfulness and fruitfulness. And so even this podcast is an overflow of our desire to do that. But in addition uh, to things like this podcast, and then obviously the church that we pastor together, uh, Ridgeline, we've also uh, started MyXP a mm-hmm. couple of years ago, and then a new ministry that we'll talk about called Telio. But to start, let's just talk a little bit about MyXP for people who are not familiar with it. Um, it's also changed a lot since the, lo- well, actually, I just to go back and correct you, which is one of my favorite pastimes. Mm-hmm. I did do an episode um, oh, I, with you. I feel like after 25 years, I should get more than an episode. Well, I'm just, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> that's okay? fair. That's fair. The first one was a little rocky, and so it took two mm. years to do one with you cool. again. So cool. we're, we're back again. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but for people that used to listen to In the Room uh, and maybe heard that episode or have seen some of our stuff online about MyXP, it's changed a lot and evolved. But just talk a little bit about, specifically, I think... Um, what my XP is, and then where did the idea come from, the niche that you saw? Yeah, so I think when people ask me what my XP is, I think the best way to answer that is it's our mission to help pastors solve problems. And uh, that's specifically in a lot of the administrative system process function type things. But I think in general, um, pastors face a lot of problems Mm -hmm. and a lot of things that weren't covered for even 14 seconds in seminary. Mm -hmm. And uh, the coronavirus. Well, (laughs) yes, like the coronavirus. Yeah, for sure. Um, But I think it's just an opportunity for us to come alongside pastors and to help them. shoulder the burden of ministry a little bit better Mm -hmm. and to take some of the things that are off their plates and to be able to serve them in the way that God has wired us to be able to do. Mm -hmm. So as far as where it came from, uh, we were, we had made the decision uh, that it was time to leave a church that we were both gainfully employed at 
uh, you resigned and then I resigned shortly thereafter. It was uh, one of those situations where uh, we worked hard to make it work. And um, it just was clear that uh, no matter how much work we put into it, um, it wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to work. Right. It was going to be something different than we wanted to be a part of. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what we knew was that um, the way that we could really make sure that we could lead the church that God had called us to lead was to go back to plant a church. Right. And um, the problem with planting a church, uh, that church had like a million and a half dollar budget, and you don't have one of those as a church plant. No. And so while we were confident that we could probably raise your salary as support, um, we knew that it was unlikely we could raise mine. And truthfully, um, as an executive pastor and uh, being responsible for the finances of the church, from a stewardship standpoint, a church does not need to plant with an executive pastor. Right. And if you're listening to this and you did that, um, I could have served you with my XP for a whole lot less. That's all yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. But I think uh, basically what it was was us kind of realizing that. And so I had made the decision. I had uh, worked at Starbucks for 10 years and uh, had made the decision I would go back to Starbucks because I knew God was calling me to be a part of uh, Ridgeline Church here in Salt Lake City. And so uh, I had remained connected to some people there and I had a few phone calls and it was looking really positive and even had an interview of sorts with a regional vice president for the area that I would be working in in Salt Lake City. And I got off that phone call and really in that moment felt like the Lord told me, Tyler, I've called and equipped you to serve the church. I want you to do that. And that was really weird for me. It's not uh, one of those things that happens all the time, mm -hmm. but I just, I, I just didn't feel good about it. And I knew that that was not what God had called me to do. The problem was I knew he had called me to be here in Salt Lake City mm -hmm. and I knew I liked to eat and pay rent. Mm -hmm. And so I was really confused. Right. And so uh, we were talking and I think that the sticking point for us was just looking at it and saying, okay, so uh, Ridgeline is going to need some of my time and energy to set up the corporation, to uh, run the finances, all of those kind of things, to figure out our church management database and just so many other things. Right. Uh, but what we knew was that wasn't going to take all my time and energy. Uh, we had brought me on staff pretty early at the church we planted in Illinois. And uh, back then, I've been in this role now for about 15 years. And so back then, we paid me to learn my job a lot. Right. Uh, but now I know how to do it. And mm -hmm. I've done it for a long time. And so I just knew that um, it wasn't going to take that much time and energy, but it was going to take some. And so then we started wondering, well, maybe there are other churches in the same place, whether it be a church plant, whether it be an existing church, but churches that have this need um, to have some level of support, but truthfully either can't afford an executive pastor or um, maybe they shouldn't. Maybe mm -hmm. maybe the funds are there, but it's just not the right move to make for their church, but they still need that support. Because while you might be able to get along without a small groups pastor or, or maybe a kids pastor or something like that, uh, some of these things have to be done. Some yeah. of these things have to be or done. Or you go otherwise. to jail. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, there's just a few things you have to do. Otherwise, like people could sue or think, you know, and so uh, it's just important to uh, keep on top of it. And, and that's really what started my XP. Uh, it was two and a half years ago now, and um, what I had decided was that I was going to take a 10% draw on my 401k, mm -hmm. and uh, you can do that uh, once per year and avoid some of the fees. You still pay a lot of fees, but if you only do 10% in a year, you can avoid some of them. So I did that, um, and that got me from uh, basically September through December, and I was going to allow myself to do it one more time. 
And by God's grace, um, I didn't even have to do it the second time. My XP had grown in those first couple months to a place where I could survive on the income from it. And uh, it really just kind of took off from there. So now we're supporting churches around the country. I've got a team of people that support my XP. And uh, we are just we just thrive in being able to come alongside pastors mm-hmm. and help them solve problems. Yeah. And so talk about what it's I mean, so it started with one church, mm-hmm. two churches. Yeah. And now what how, how what is it? Two years. We're two years later now. Yep. About. Yep. And, two and a half. And how, mm-hmm. what are you supporting now? Uh, yeah, so we're at about 25 churches. Uh, we offer kind of awesome. uh, two different uh, setups, so we can either just do bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. I think what's different, there's a lot of companies out there that you'll find that do the bookkeeping end. Yeah. What's different about MyXP is that we do bookkeeping through the eyes of an executive pastor, not the eyes of just an accountant. Right. And so we have people qualified to be able to do your bookkeeping well. Yeah. However, um, we're looking for uh, weird things. We're looking for anomalies. We're looking for uh, ways to save churches money. So here's a really random example, but... Anytime I see someone order communion cups from Amazon, it mm-hmm. hurts my heart. Because mm-hmm. what I know is for about a thousand cups, they paid about $25. I know where you can get a thousand communion cups for about $10. Mm-hmm. And things you know like a that, guy, you what, know a communion guy. I, I know. I mean, it's Christian book distributors. And yeah. if you buy them in bulk, and it's not like we're going to stop believing in communion. And right. so you can buy your communion cups in bulk. Yep. Uh, I suppose we might be in a situation where we can't take communion together anymore, but yeah, we'll get true. there. We'll get to that. But, um, you know, just some things like that, because my heart in that is not, I'm not an extreme couponer. What I know is that that delta of $15 there, mm-hmm. uh, what that does is it, it's 15 more dollars to be able to pour into actual ministry in that's your right. church. And so that's our heart and passion. And so that's what we're looking at. Or people will ask me things like, do you think we can afford uh, to hire a new staff member? And how much can we pay them? And things like that, that the executive pastor experience really kind of undergirds the Mm -hmm. bookkeeping end. Mm -hmm. And uh, it works out well. So we're doing that for a number of churches. We also offer our full suite of services. That's what we call our full subscription. And um, with our full subscription, basically what I tell my team is that we work very hard to never say no to a pastor. So one of the one of the things that's sometimes confusing for churches or pastors early on in a relationship is they kind of interact with us a little bit like a virtual admin. So someone might ask me to book their travel or to post their podcast or some things like that. And here's what I know. Uh, one, we're going to work to solve that problem a little bit better for you ongoing. Mm-hmm. But if you've reached out to me and said, could you book this flight? What you actually said to me was, Tyler, if you guys don't do this, I'm going to have to do it. And what I know is that you have better things to do in a day than to sit and like Google a flight and make sure your known traveler number is in there and all of that. We can take care of that for you. So we work really hard to do as much as we can uh, to just say yes and to help pastors. Yeah, I love that. You guys are doing a great job with that. So uh, how, what are some things that, uh, what, like, what are the most common, if you had to think through the most common two or three things that you end up helping pastors on? What, what do you think those are? Uh, how do we help new people get connected to the mm-hmm. church? Uh, that's something that I have a deep passion for to begin with. I think that uh, oftentimes when you're on staff at a church, your staff members either have an, a bent towards how do we love and shepherd the existing people or yeah. how do we create an, a great environment for new people? Uh, I certainly love our existing people, but my mind and thoughts are always towards uh, how do we get new people connected? And right. so that's something that we talk about quite a bit. Uh, and then I think in general, just helping uh, churches under helping pastors understand their finances in a way that is helpful to them. Mm-hmm. I think that you can provide reports and things like that, but it doesn't make any difference at all. Um, because if, if, if I don't understand, as, yeah, if I'm yeah. as a pastor, I don't understand it. It's not going to work. Yeah. So I think there's been that. I think 
you know, one of the things that we've found um, in working with pastors is not only is there this like really deep kind of operational need and uh, support in that, but I think that's where um, this new ministry that we've recently started called Telio comes mm-hmm. into the picture. It's an, it's an opportunity to provide pastors a different kind of support, a kind of support that uh, a peer can, mm-hmm. can provide somebody else. Um, um, our job is, you know, we always say that it's the lead pastor's job to know where the church is at and where the church is headed, and it's the XP's job to fill in all the dots between. So yeah. we are great soldiers, and we are working hard to like fulfill the vision that you've given, but I think uh, sometimes uh, there's some other needs, uh, and that's where Telio comes into play. Yeah, um, so I think almost a year ago now, I was every, every month I take a retreat day, and I was on a retreat day, and I was honestly struggling a little bit with just like, what is my job right now and in kind of a weird spot. And so I decided to commit the day to reading uh, first and second Timothy. And um, in, in conjunction with that, I was spending some time reflecting on honestly, how many pastors that I really admire I've personally seen fall over the last uh, few years and was feeling very heavy hearted about that. And so I kind of had this weird stuff going on in me and then seeing everything that's been happening, especially in evangelicalism as of late and uh, then I got uh, to the part in First Timothy where uh, Paul says, I have finished the race. And it was like these two things collided. And I realized how a shrinking number of pastors are going to be able to say that sentiment, mm-hmm. that I have finished the race. Um, you know, I, it depends on what you read, but it's estimated that somewhere around 1,500 pastors leave the ministry every single month. Uh, and the, the number of pastors that graduate from seminary and go into ministry and are still in ministry in 10 years is like astronomically low. Mm. And so I started to uh, think more and more, and we're always talking about that, and you're working with so many lead pastors, and I know a ton of lead pastors. And so um, I've just been thinking a lot about for a year, how how can I be of some service? You know, like mm. that's not, I'm, I'm not, super and can't solve all those problems, but what what can I do? So as we've been working through this, um, I came across this article by Elliot Grudem that he wrote a few years ago, and uh, it had this amazing information in the beginning, but this the Lilly Endowment invested $84 million over 10 years to study and support the practices that allow Christian pastors in America to sustain excellence over the years. Mm. And they funded 63 different projects projects across 25 different denominations and traditions. So it was a very wide study. And every organization made a similar discovery. Relationships with peers are the key factor to pastoral longevity. Hmm. And so uh, teleo is that Greek word uh, that Paul uses for I have finished the race. And so my goal with teleo is to help pastors not just finish, but really enjoy ministry for the long haul. Um, you know, you and I have talked about this for years, but we've, there's, there's this like brand of pastor that really seems to, um, really latch on to how like just overwhelmingly difficult ministry is. Mm -hmm. And there's no way around the fact that ministry is hard. Um, but if it's miserable, I, I just deeply believe you're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. And, um, some people may not agree with that and that's okay. But I really think like if it's awful all the time, you're doing it wrong. Mm. And uh, so I really believe that while ministry is hard, that you can enjoy it and that it can be a really meaningful long-term way to serve and to live your life. And so I want to help pastors do that. So what it's going to be 
is it's going to be uh, a combination of coaching and care um, and then also annual retreats that we do, these small mm-hmm. retreats where we invite pastors to come to Park City, stay in a really nice house, do some UTVing, eat good food, and hang out for a few days, decompress, and really be able to talk. I think that's one of the things that you hear all the time is leadership is lonely. Mm-hmm. And every time I hear that, I think, well, it doesn't have to be. Like, I don't know how that became such a, it's becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. Because that's been said so much, we all function in a way that keeps us lonely. And I think that what pastors need more than anything else, you use the word peer, is they need a peer that they can on, have a safe place to talk and be honest and vulnerable about how they're doing, which, again, for guys that are wired like me, is not easy. Um, but if you don't create a space for them to be able to do that, then they just certainly won't be able to. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're working toward. Uh, honestly, that's the way we, what we started the year thinking that we were going to launch. And then I ended up in therapy uh, for the past five months and didn't feel ready to launch something quite like that. But I'm through that, and then the coronavirus started. Mm, and so mm. now's a weird time to be launching new ministries. Yeah. So in the in-between, I think that this is what we're working toward launching in a full way this fall. But in the meantime, I really want to be able to just uh, come alongside and be a help and friend to pastors. Awesome. So um, between now and then, um, I'm available, like no charge, just free connects to be able to talk about life, talk about ministry, talk about pastoring in this kind of new season that we're in with everybody on lockdown and not being able to gather publicly and all of that. So I'd love to be able to talk with pastors about what we're learning and how we're doing it to see if I'd be of help to them. So uh, best way uh, to be able to to connect with me on that is to just go to our website, telio.church and uh, sign up for a connect. And then we'll be able to have that call for people who want more information about MyXP they can just go to myxp.church yep. and talk about that. So I think that gets us caught up kind of on what goes on. So we pastor Ridgeline together. We lead MyXP, and then we're giving birth to Telio, and uh, we are not bored, that's no, for sure. No, So in addition to all of that, there is also a pandemic going on. Sure. And we experienced the largest earthquake in 20 years here sure. in Utah. So it's been an exciting week for us. Yeah. And I just have to say, like, as I was talking to my churches on Wednesday, I was literally having a conversation with a pastor while an earthquake was happening. And he was like, dude, it's shaking around you. <laughs> and I was like, yes, it is. I'm experiencing the shaking. So I wasn't probably as empathetic as I could have been that day yeah. because we're all experiencing Corona yeah. and just us got the earthquake. Yeah. Yeah. I think we ended up with the count. Last count I saw was we had 94 aftershocks mm, yeah. as well. So it was a big day. Yeah. So, um, Everyone is scrambling right now, like not not just ministry leaders, but like small business owners and people in education, people in med. Everyone just feels like the world is scrambling, trying to figure out how do we do life and Mm -hmm. and for our context, how do we do ministry when we can't meet together on Sundays, when we can't do trainings, when we can't really do life on life discipleship, at least not face to face. And so we figured on this first episode, it would be advantageous for us to uh, talk about a few things just in the last week that mm-hmm. we've landed on are like super, super critical, yeah. both with you working with all of these pastors in my XP and then yeah. for me trying to lead Ridgeline through all of this. So we'll just go back and forth. I think we both have three things that we're going to share. Yeah. 
but I'll go first. So I, we'll, we're going to do this through the lens of you're speaking as an executive pastor. I'm speaking as a lead pastor, and uh, we'll talk about these things. But I think the first thing for me that I've seen the most value in in the last week is uh, that we need to embrace new technology and old. And by that, I think we are all having to, uh, I mean, some guys are learning how to stream for the very first time, having mm-hmm. to figure that out. We're having to use tools that many of us have never used before because we're having to pastor churches almost exclusively via the internet. And I think it's important for lead pastors, like gone are the days where we can think like, well, my job is just to pray and preach. Well, cool, dummy. No one's showing up on Sunday. So you got to figure out how to get the message to people. Yep. So we're having to embrace new technology, but one thing that I have been surprised by this week is I've been doing, I hate talking on the phone. It's like okay. one of my least favorite things to do. Um, but I have, but I, but more than I dislike talking on the phone, I want to connect with uh, and care for the people at our church. And so one of the ways I've been doing that has just been through calling people and checking in with them. And I've been shocked at how meaningful that seems to have been mm-hmm. that virtually every person has said, Hey, it just really means a lot that, not just through text message, not just through email, but that you would like pick up a phone, go old school and actually have a conversation, especially right now. I think it's important that we do both of those things, not just go new technology, but also embrace these old ones as well. So what, what would you say? Yeah, I mean, so first of all, on that phone thing, I think what's so interesting about that is uh, two months ago, if mm-hmm. you would have told me a phone call was part of your follow-up strategy, I think I would have audibly booed you. Like, yeah. boo. I've actually heard you boo people yeah, that suggest I, well, that. Well, because yeah. that's usually what they tell me. They're like, I'm just doing phone calls. And I always ask, how many people answer? And they're like, yeah, none. And I'm like, right. Yeah. But I do. I think it's a different time. And we have to be able to adjust. And it does seem like people would be more interested in a verbal conversation than a text message. And so I think that yep. that's important. I think the biggest thing... Um, that I have uh, kind of my first point here, but the biggest one is you've got to move beyond this is going to end next week. That's right. Uh, it's been very, very interesting as I've talked to different pastors throughout the week this week. Uh, so many people are just trying to wrap their heads around it. A lot of people are, um, you know, interested in like, well, you know, what are we going to do this Sunday? What are we going to do next Sunday? Uh, but it was really great. I had a call with one of the pastors I support. His name's Sean in Oregon. And um, uh, his kind of vantage point on it was much more around like, so how do we get new people connected to our church in this situation and all of that, which that like, uh, I'd had so many conversations just with people still sort of in that. I always think about like in Mario, when you got stunned and the stars are like going around your head, that's like every conversation I had this week, including myself. And it was just helpful to think about it in terms of like, what are we going to do now and how do we capitalize on this? And so I think uh, making sure that you move beyond the fact, like uh, for us, we've already been told the soonest we'll be in our uh, place where we uh, gather for worship on Sunday mornings is May 10th. Right. And it's probably going to be longer than that. Most, Most of the things that I've been seeing are saying like early June. Right. is when maybe we start to get back to normal. But I think to your point, I think the thing that's really good, like contrasting where most of us are at and where Sean was at, is most of us were just thinking like, how do I get my sermon on the internet? And he's thinking <laughs> like, how do I help my church thrive totally. through this season? And yep. I just think that that's a way better way to think about it. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that um, 
uh, looking at it from that vantage point, you know, I had a conversation with someone and they wondered, um, but what if we invest all this time and energy and then it just like disappears and mm-hmm. we're open in a couple of weeks and celebrate Easter together? I think that uh, as we all know, God can do anything. So that's mm-hmm. possible. But I think that the work we're doing now, uh, we were all totally unprepared. Yeah. And I think my response to that was, um, there's no guarantee this is the only time in our lifetimes that this is going to happen. Sure. Uh, I think that the way that the world will respond to something the next time will be different. Uh, the speed with which it's responded to will be different. And so I think that it's important that we have a good plan. I think this time we're getting tons of grace from everybody, yeah. including all of our people. And I think shame on us if we don't learn and yep. check and adjust and, and make better plans for next time. That's good. My second thing would be um, to prioritize genuine connection over perfect production. Um, so I think a lot of, a lot of us are trying to figure out like, how do we, how do we pull off like the highest quality, like we're pro quality. So I think that's important for sure. But I think trying to pull off something that is like flashy and impressive totally misses the point right now. (laughs) Um, I think people are, we, we, we cannot underestimate how much fear and worry and anxiety people are battling right now and us having perfect camera angles, perfect audio, perfect lighting is like, it just misses the point of where people are. People really need genuine connection. And I actually think that there's some celebrities that are doing a phenomenal job of this. Like that's one thing that's interesting right now is like, we're all in the same boat. So money doesn't get you out of this. Fame doesn't get like famous people are stuck home too. But I think one of the things I've been watching celebrities do, like especially with social media, is just to use the platform they have and the gift that they have to be able to bring a little bit of joy, a little bit of light, a little bit of encouragement to the people that follow them. And it never looks – it's literally just like the same tools we all have. So it's your phone and Instagram. And so I'm really – like I think some of our musicians are starting to just record like – on their iPhone, them playing a song, not mm-hmm. even a song they've written, somebody else's song. And then we share it on a Facebook group and they don't look perfect and they don't sound amazing because we're just capturing audio on the phone. Yeah. But our church gets to see their face and hear their voice and be connected in a way that I think is really, really important. So, I mean, obviously if you're Hillsong and you put out like crap product, people are like going <laughs> to boo you like your Hillsong. Yeah, so probably like I, I think but what you shouldn't expect is we've never streamed. We don't even have a social media pre- pref- uh, presence. And now we're going to function like a media company. Like, no. And I think we should just really, really, the priority needs to be on genuine connection, mm. not on perfect production. Yeah, absolutely. Is it my turn? It's your turn. Oh, yeah, okay. sorry. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so for me, number two, uh, use this time to tighten up systems and processes. Uh, one of the things that I've said countless times in my ministry career is that working in ministry is a little bit like living in the movie Groundhog's Day, except it's a week long. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've said to many countless people, Sunday's coming. Yeah. And no matter what happened on Sunday, you have six days with which you can uh, change, check, adjust, do something different. And that, like I've even said to some people, couldn't we have one week without a Sunday? Like one week where we have two weeks to be able to improve and get better and order things and yeah. just 
all of those kind of things, but uh, Sunday's always coming. And yeah. so uh, while we are absolutely streaming our services, no one's phoning anything in, pastors are working uh, feverishly, a lot of these churches have staff members, mm -hmm. people that um, what their jobs look like have changed drastically, and uh, we're trying to keep them uh, busy and with things to do. And so this is such an amazing opportunity to evaluate your systems, your processes, your stuff, and just kind of go through things and get ready for the fact that uh, this is going to go away, mm -hmm. uh, that we're going to meet together publicly again at some point, and we're going to utilize this time to tighten up all the screws, both figuratively and even maybe literally. Mm -hmm. I think, for example, like, I don't know, if you're a mobile church, take a look at your signage. Every once in a while, our signage just gets like rough looking. I know even for us, there's probably some things I'm going to replace, all of those kind of things. But oftentimes, if you learn about it on a Sunday, you scramble to get it in time for the next Sunday. Mm -hmm. And then you have to pay overnight fees and rush fee, all of this kind of crazy. Well, I mean, for us, uh, shame on me if that happens to us, because I now have until May 10th at least yeah. to be I could I could have like a you know Pony Express deliver whatever I'm going to order and we yeah. still get it. Are they are they still they're still delivering? Yeah, for huh? sure. Ponies, Pony Express. Yeah. Guys on ponies just like yeah. just riding around. I'm excited. Hey, yeah, whatever. Be good. Anyway, so uh, but I think that um, uh, it's really a great opportunity to assess um, what your simulation has been. I think in upcoming episodes we'll talk about the importance of making adjustments for mm -hmm. uh, the current time and, mm -hmm. and situation. But uh, make no mistake, I, I by no means believe like this is just uh, my least favorite phrase. This is our new normal. Yeah, it's not going to be normal. Let's, it might let's be just, for a season. Let's just air this. Let's yeah. talk about oh, you, you've got a couple phrases that I you do. want everyone to stop using because you're tired of hearing. New, it's no new longer unprecedented because yeah, it's, it's happened. happened. So this so, is the precedent. So now, now the precedent has been set. <laughs> stop saying unprecedented. Yeah. Number two, new normal. Yep. I can't handle new normal. Like, yep. like let's just have it be like, like this is what we're doing, yeah. not the new normal. Yeah. And then number three, out of an extreme abundance of caution. Oh, like yeah. that's just way too many words and caution yeah. implies that we're being careful right an extreme abundance of caution i just and so <laughs> that's and a again, bit that's a lot like, so i just I, I did need to let that out Sorry. okay okay good. no i'm, I'm good. glad i'm, I'm hoping good. i can stop hearing about it now well we'll see yeah all right my third encouragement would be uh to be a non-anxious presence as mm. a pastor or a ministry leader uh, again there is so much, and I think even some of us are feeling a high level of uh, worry and anxiety and uncertainty, which is which is would be normal for sure. Um, but I think uh, as those that have been entrusted with some level of leadership in the local church, I think one of the greatest ways and greatest responsibilities that we have right now is to be that non-anxious presence. And so I think that looks like a lot of encouragement more than anything else. I think that's something that we've been working really hard at. Uh, we started a really simple five, six, seven minute long daily podcast that we call the Ridgeline Daily Feed that largely just comes out of my own devotional time in the morning. But the, the whole bent of it has just been toward encouraging people and uh, to be a non so so because the world is in such a state of panic and all the panic shopping that's happening and like I don't know what's going on with the toilet paper <laughs> and how our bowels are connected in <laughs> any way to the coronavirus um, but there's just so much of that that's going on around us I think one of the ways that we can shine as followers of Jesus is to not panic and freak out um, but especially as pastors, is to really lead our, our people from a place of peace and trust right now. Mm. So give me your last one. 
Yeah, so it's kind of bookending because number one was to move beyond this is going to end next week. Yeah. But number three is like begin thinking about and planning the party that you're going to have when we all get to worship together again. Yeah, I know that for lots of people, this has been like a lot. Mm -hmm. I've, I, I've seen some criticism. How could the church shut its doors? All of that. Uh, everyone's tr doing what they can to figure it out. And so, again, you've got uh, team members. You have got staff. You have got volunteer leaders. Um, that are looking for something to do. Yeah. And so let's get on top of what is it going to look like for us to celebrate and make a huge deal out of, and so whether that means a meal, whether that means inflatables, whether that, I mean, I don't think it can be a party without balloons. I, like, <laughs> I don't know, like whatever that means for your church. And listen, I yeah. get that all sorts of churches believe different things about what can and should and yeah. shouldn't happen in the church. Yeah. Uh, but come up with your way to celebrate like crazy. Yeah. It's plenty of time to order things. It's plenty of time to get reservations made, even tentative ones. Yeah. And let's make sure that, um, we are uh, teaching our people how to be appropriately grateful for the fact that like God has brought us through this yep. already. Yeah, I think that's super good. I was only going to do three, but I've decided I'm going to do one more. Oh, is that cool. okay? Just, yeah. just to one up you. Yeah, that's about that's yeah. about right. <laughs> My last thing, I just I've been thinking about this a lot. You know, everyone keeps talking about um, you know people are working from home, and so lives are going to be slowing down. And if if every other pastor and ministry leader in the world right now is anything like us, we have not experienced that nope. slowdown yet. Um, and so I think one thing that I, I, maybe that time will come where there will be this slowdown, but right now we're all scrambling to go back to where we started to try to figure out how do we lead in this season. Yep. And so I think a, a good closing point for us would be to emphasize for people that are leading in ministry, do not neglect your own soul through yeah, this time absolutely. and make sure that you are taking time, not just to work for God, but just to be with him. And whatever your daily practices are for that, now is not the time to neglect those in the name of scrambling. We really need to prioritize those and put in that time with God uh, before we go out into the world, uh, well, or into our living rooms, I guess, not, not really going out into the world very much right sure. now, but, but don't neglect your soul. So it's great. All right. We're going to start to do this uh, on a weekly basis is the plan. Um, and uh, so the way that you can help us uh, would be just in more than anything to help spread the word. Uh, and there's two main ways that you can do that. You can share this podcast mm -hmm. online. Um, and then the second thing that you can do is to leave a review on whatever, wherever you're subscribed uh, uh, to your podcast podcast platform of choice, uh, then you can leave a review and uh, that helps us get as many people as possible informed about this. But thanks so much for listening uh, to this new season of From the Field. We'll be back next week and we'll talk to you then. All right. See you guys.